0: Let's take our Bibles today to the book of Philippians chapter 4 and if you're new with us and if you're new to church or if you're new to Christianity, we're really glad to have you here and uh, we always have visitors here at church and uh, people are all different stages in their relationship with the Lord and the kids are being dismissed now to junior church and uh, it's whatever stage you're at in your Uh, spiritual journey, so to speak. We are glad to have you here. Philippians is after the Gospels and the New Testament and so forth. You remember when you first learned about where the stuff was in the Bible? Um, We take for granted sometimes. So I know where that is. Um, Even battle-hardened Christians, though, can't find their way in the minor prophets. So... um, so you're not the only one if you don't know where to find it. But we're going to Philippians chapter 4. We've been working our way through this book. And we're at chapter 4, coming in uh, for a landing here over the next few years. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, My dearly beloved, stand fast in the Lord. There's a saying that nothing endures but change. Now, I don't know if you have a smartphone anywhere near you, but if you do, you have more processing power in that phone by far than the Apollo 11 computer did, which landed those men on the moon back in 1969. They, uh, they could process, they said, about 12,250 operations per second. Whew. It was burning. It was rolling. And it was big. It was like this, the, you know, the size of a small refrigerator. And uh, about 16 years later, 1985, they came out with the, remember, remember what they used to call the, the Cray-2 supercomputer? Remember that one? That was way faster than the Apollo 11 computer. And it could do 1.9 billion operations per second. And it basically, you know, it was like 155,000 times faster than the Apollo 11 computer. And uh, that's amazing. I mean, that thing was, was commissioned by the Departments of, uh, of Defense and Energy. Like, they're working on nuclear weapons. Uh, this was big, big stuff, 1985. Um, if you have an iPhone 12... You're not going to believe this. It can process 11 trillion operations per second. And uh, it's 5,000 times faster than the Cray 2 supercomputer back in 1985. Now, some of you are like, iPhone 12, I haven't had one of those in years. (laughs) You already are way past all of us. Some of us are just suffering in the dark ages, right? But you know what, If they said that if you took that Cray 2 supercomputer and compared the size of what it was and what it, what, what it would have to be to be as fast as an iPhone 12, it would weigh twenty seven and a half million pounds. Now, if that's not changed, I don't know what is. Isn't that, it's phenomenal. It's hard to even process that. Sorry for the pun. Think about, they, they, there's a such a thing as Moore's Law, a guy named, uh... Was it Gordon Moore? That he, he said, they're going to put more, um, they're going to put more, what are those little things called? Yeah, not chips. They're on the, and to go on the integrated circuit, they're, what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Transistor, thank you. That's what it is. He said, they put, they every, he, I think he, he postulated that they are putting in uh, double the amount every 18 months or so. He said, every two years. Every two years, they're putting double the amount. This was back in 1965. And they're putting double the amount, and the cost of computing is going down, and it's kept going and going and going. Now, you can't even hardly see the chips that they're putting in there. I mean, the, the, the tiniest little pieces are going in to, to create this super, b- brilliantly, blazingly fast machines. And it just keeps going and going and going. Uh, that's, that's one area... How about this? Did you know that before 2019, in 2019, before the pandemic, about 7% of people worked from home? It was not a common thing. You were lucky if you could. You might ask your boss, can I? And they're like, no, you want to make sure that you can work. You know, after the pandemic, one estimate says there are 20% of people who work from home. That's a major adjustment from what we had just. Three years ago. It's hard to believe. How about this? Did you realize in the early 2000s, there was no such thing really as social media? Practically nothing. Like, Facebook came along in 2006. YouTube was roughly around the same time. And, and now, they tell us that there are 4.7 billion people using social media worldwide. That's just the last 20 years. That's the kind of changes that we've experienced. When I was growing up, anyone remember the war on drugs in the 80s and 90s? You know what was the gateway drug that was really bad back then? Marijuana. Remember? It was the bad. Now, what do we see? Everywhere we go, there's CBD dispensaries. Cannabis is just, they say it's, they're going to spend $40 billion a year by 2025. And it, it, it six back then, it, it was against the law, and now it's been legalized in a whole bunch of states. Sixty percent of America f- support full legislation, full support uh, through legislation, and uh, it just keeps going up and up and up. Here's here's something to think about: change. Remember back in the early '90s when President Bill Clinton signed something called the Defense of Marriage Act. Do you remember that? What was that? That was saying that we stand as a nation and support traditional marriage. I mean, caveman stuff, like between a man and a woman, like knuckle-dragging Neanderthals. We support, and and by the way, that was a, a Democratic president that signed the Defense of Marriage Act. And back then, you had 27% of Americans that supported legalizing same-sex marriage. Now, within that, there are many that are libertarians. There are people that are saying, hey, look, whatever they want to do is fine. But did you know now 70% of Americans support same-sex marriage? 70% of them. And of course, we understand it, it, it's, it's largely due to the, the same reasons why it always comes, things come about. We can't deny anyone any right that they scream loud enough about. Now, if you are in the LGBT community or you have friends in that, uh, let me just tell you, standing in support of traditional, i.e. biblical marriage is not the same as saying, I want all gays to die. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy that those are the only two options that you have, and they're not. All you have to do is go back to uh, some of the early proponents, some of the early leaders in the LGBT community and find out uh, that many of them are aghast even today at today's LGBT movement. I'm talking about the old school gay folks who said, hey, we need to have this right and we're not embarrassed and so forth. They're embarrassed by what the LGBT community is saying today. Not all of them, but many of them are. What does that mean? It, it just shows that things are changing so fast. And, and you know, some of you, you, you think, well, yeah, they've always said that. Well, they always have said that. Why? Because man has always changed. But the accelerated rate of change is so much faster. Because now I see everything. I, I see everything on my phone before I ever see it in real life. And it just keeps speeding up and speeding up. Imagine, can you imagine growing up if someone were to tell you you're going to pay $1,200 for a phone? <laughs> now, in fairness, it's also a camcorder and a voice recorder, you know, and it's, it, it, it's everything. Like you'd have 17 different things from 1985 in order to have a phone. So it, it's only fair to, to, to say that. But can you imagine? that? Just And now I can't live without it. People actually have phone separation anxiety. I'm addicted to change. I've got to know what's new, what's up, what's going on. And we're we're so used to that now. It's just part of who we are. Someone said years ago, the times, they are a-changing. And he wasn't wrong. The Bible says, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Culture is like the sea. It comes and waves and takes over, and nothing can stand against it. And it goes in cycles. Some of you remember back in the 60s wearing skinny pants. And then back, we got into the 80s, we moved into the parachute pants ministry, and that was great. (laughs) And now it's coming back. Guess what's coming back? I'll tell you what's going to happen with ties and with pants, if you're wondering. They're going to go from skinny to fat, to skinny to fat, to skinny to fat. Why? Art is a reaction. We react against things. You know, you had the, the rock and roll came in in the 50s. And what was the response? You had Peter, Paul, and Mary stood up and said, we don't need drums. We don't need all this stuff. We're just going to sing simple songs. Why? We react. We're back. We're forth. We're up. We're down. Constantly adjusting and changing. And it stands in stark contrast to the verse that we just read. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 one more time. He said, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. You don't have to be blown around. You don't have to devolve. You can stand fast against the winds of evil change. Not all change is evil. Not all change is evil. Hey, Baptist, not all change is evil. Hey, the Lord said he's going to change our vile body that it would be made like in his glorious body in the previous verse. So not all change is bad, but there is bad change. There is evil afoot. There are powerful forces who have vested interest and have put a lot of money into making you a more wicked person. And we can stand. Look at chapter 1. Look at chapter 1. We're looking at a lot of verses in Philippians today, so hang with me. I want you to see the winds of change that were in Philippi. Look, he said, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherness of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. One of the, 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 the prevailing winds of the day was governmental oppression. Here's Paul in jail in Rome. Now listen, that very well may be our future. But may I remind you, it's not unprecedented. It's not the church was born in adversity. It's not fun, and I prefer religious liberty. But I can tell you this, we don't get to decide if we get religious liberty. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord as the rivers of water. God gives us leaders that we deserve. And sometimes God gives leaders that would be oppressive It might be that your kids or grandkids may end up in bonds because of the gospel. It was for Paul. Look at verse 15. Here's here's another oppressive wind Christians who love to fight. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, they're in the ministry so they can fight. Not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. They heard that Paul was in jail and they said, (laughs) Serves him right, and I'll tell you why he's in jail. They actually made Paul's jail life worse. Believers did. Preaching the gospel and bringing problems to Paul, adding affliction. This is some of the wins that they had to face in Philippi. Look at chapter uh, 3, look at verse 2. We saw this a few weeks ago. He said, beware of dogs, chapter 3, verse 2. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Here are heretics, false teachers, who are intensely going, now listen, you, you may not look at them as a false teacher or heretic, They may uh, make you feel better. They may scratch your ears, but you've got to be careful that you don't buy into things that are, there is such a thing as heresy. There is such a thing as heresy In order to have heresy You have to have truth You find truth in the word of God And you you compare spiritual things with spiritual You look at this verse and that verse You get God's teaching on that subject Under the leadership of the Holy Spirit And if anyone crosses that It's called heresy And the Bible says A heretic after the first and second admonition What should you do with them? Reject Well I can't believe in any Christian who would reject Then sweetheart You're not reading the Bible Sorry to be so, you know, mean. You've got to stay in the book. There are people who are wrong about God. And guess what? Just because they make a TikTok video and they, they put their makeup on or they have a sweet $1,000 haircut doesn't make them right. Just because they're smooth talkers doesn't make them biblical. You see, the things that Christians face today are things that Christians have faced for millennia now. The devil has a vested interest in deceiving the hearts of the simple and causing them to go astray. Listen, I, I tell you this by God's grace. I hope that you would be, have enough courage to say, pastor, based on these verses here and this verse here, I think you're wrong. And I hope under God, I would have the humility to say, you're right. You know why this church is not about my best ideas. My, my only goal, by God's grace, and I fail often, is to lift up Jesus Christ and the Word of God. You're going to have another pastor someday. If the Lord tarries, you will have another pastor. I'm not going to be your pastor forever. Some of you are very thankful for that day. Look into, look into that blessed hope. Amen. You're going to have another pastor. You better be ready to hold his feet to the fire. Some of you have held my feet to the fire. And I thank God for it. Why? We lift up the word of God. Not our personal, not our denominational catechism that we all came together. Hey, it's okay to have outlines and structures and systematic theology. But guess what? All that stuff came from the plain words of scripture. So just take a chill pill, systematic theology. Just remember where you came from. Amen. Don't get too big for your britches. Here's something else in chapter three. Look at verse 18 another prevailing wind of change chapter 3 verse 18 from any walk of whom i have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of christ we saw this last week there's nothing here that definitively states these are unsaved people these are people who know the lord and yet verse 19 whose end is destruction that's not hell that's just being Destroyed. Paul talked about turning over someone for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of visitation. He's not talking about going to hell. He's talking about people who have chosen a way of life that will destroy them. Who are they? They're carnal Christians. Carnal Christians, look what he says, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things, one of the prevailing winds for the Philippians, was a group of carnal Christians with an, an earthly mindset that was pushing on them, pushing on them. You don't have to go to that church anymore. You don't have to be around. You don't have to read that Bible anymore. You don't have to be like you were. Remember, that was so weird. You were such a dork. Look at those pictures of how weird you were. You now are liberated. You're perfect. You're so much better than you ever were. You ever feel that Wind being pushing on you? It's a lot of Christians who do. You know what the, the answer is? Look at chapter 1, verse 27. Chapter 1, verse 27 Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. The gospel should look good on your life. Talk about the ultimate accessory. It's not your teeth, it's not your jewelry. It ought to be the gospel. Your life should become the gospel. And that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit. Not a bunch of isolated lone rangers. No, the church standing in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what we did last night at the Day of Honor. Hey, if you couldn't be there, you gave towards that. Hope Baptist, member. You gave. If you couldn't be there, you prayed for that. And the ones that were here, your hands were serving. Why? You weren't just giving them steak, and it was good steak. You weren't just giving them love and thank God for it. What you were giving them is the gospel of Christ. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. But watch it, verse 28. And in nothing, terrified by your adversaries. Which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. You have adversaries and so do I. But you don't have to be terrified by them. You don't have to be blown about. We have terrorists all over the place, some spiritual terrorism. What's it trying to do? It's trying to scare you. It's to, to get in your head and make you think, oh no, what if I'm wrong? What if everything's wrong? You know what? You have to mainly be concerned about not whether your church is right or whether your pastor knows everything or whether your family raised you. All you gotta do is say, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust a sweeter frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You get in the book and you say, I trust that verse right there. You kneel down. And you may hear social media yabber in the background. You may hear government authorities saying, you can't believe that. You, you might hear carnal Christians saying, I remember when I was so naive that I believed it. You don't have to worry about it. You shut them all out. You get down on your knees and you say, I'm not going to be terrified of my adversary because I have an advocate with the Father. I have a captain of my salvation. You can stand. I'm going to show you this morning what it means to stand fast, where to stand fast, and why you can stand fast. Here we go. Look at chapter 4 once again. He said, stand fast in the Lord. He doesn't mean that you stop in your tracks and stand real quick. It, It means to stand firmly, strongly, vigorously. Okay, think about this. When you say someone is fast asleep, does it mean they're running? No, it means they're sleeping soundly, deeply, strongly. When someone is running fast, it's the same as saying that someone is running hard, hard, firm, vigorously, strong. Uh, The word fast, we hear that when we hear uh, the word fasten. Fasten your seatbelts, buckle down, stand your ground. I remember years ago when I was a kid, we'd go to Disney World, we'd hear Thunder Mountain Railroad. Anybody ever been on that before? Howdy, partner. For your safety, keep your arms and legs and hands and feet inside of the car, the train at all times. If you've got, you know, uh, you kids, watch out for your kids. If you're wearing glasses, hold on to them. And they'd say, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. It was great. It wasn't the wildest ride in the wilderness, but but it was very cool. You know what the, you know the idea was? Sit tight. It's gonna get wild. Right? It's gonna get a little crazy. Now what they don't want you to do is get out when it starts getting crazy. They want you to sit down, keep your hands and arms, unless you have a selfie camera, you can put that at about fifty feet. Here I am. <laughs> right? Get it snapped off when you go through the arches or something, but but that's what, that's what he's talking about. It means taking a stand. And by taking a stand, it means I'm not going to be unnecessarily moved. No moves will happen unless they are intentional towards the Lord. I'm standing fast in the Lord. Not physically, spiritually, emotionally. Okay? And we, they used to say, you need to buck up. What is it? Buckle. Buckle. Like get locked in, stand up, bow up, be ready to handle the winds of change because they are coming. Now he said, so stand fast, where? This is the next point. Where is it, church? In the Lord. Let's go to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six, he tells us where to stand fast. I want you to listen. If you're blown about, if you're discouraged, you feel like you're uh, a will of the wisp, hey, listen. We all get that way on different days. We all struggle with that in different avenues. I want to show you how to stand fast in the Lord. Now listen, if you're not in the Lord, you don't have the chance or the choice of standing fast in him. If you're not in his family, you can't stand fast in the Lord. Okay? This is for people who have been saved. People who remember the day that they asked Jesus Christ to save them. They repented of their sin. They said, that sin is going to take me to hell, but Jesus, you said you would save me. I'm putting all my trust and faith on you for salvation, not my baptism, confirmation, not my church, not my catechism, not because I've been good, not because of uh, I've tried to turn over a new leaf, all that stuff. It's not me. It's only Jesus. If you've done that and you know he gave you salvation... All right, now you're in his family. Here's how you, Christian, stand fast in the Lord. He says in chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be, what's the word? Strong in the Lord. Well, I'm just a weak Christian. Well, then you're not following God. He told you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against The wiles of the devil. You know why you're blown about? You know why you're not standing? Because someone is pushing on you and you're not able to stand. You know, interestingly enough, Philippians does not overtly, clearly say anything about Satan and the devil in that way. But he's behind the scenes. Ephesians tells us who's pushing those carnal Christians? Who's moving those governmental authorities? Who is informing those false teachers? It's Satan. The wiles of the devil. There is a devil, and he's after you. You may not believe that. Oh, By the way, why are you afraid of the dark again? You don't believe in the devil, but what is that? Why do you even have fear of those things? Why do people have the, you know, the skeletons, the gigantic you know, 12-foot skeletons in their front yard? What is this infatuation with death? Because here's the here's what happens. If you're not afraid of God, you're afraid of everything else. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Okay, so young young man, you don't have a relationship with God, then why 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 can't you be in a room by yourself for more than 15 minutes without your computer or your video games or your phone? You know why? I can tell you why. The devil. You're afraid because you're in bondage to the devil. The Lord doesn't want you in bondage to the devil. But how do you get out of that? He said, this is how you do it. Take the armor of God that you may be able to stand. Put it on. Well, what, is he, what does he mean? Look, look, look at verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not your principal, your teacher at school. It's not your boss that's giving you problems. It's not even your wife. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places There are forces aligned against you, believer No, I just have problems with my health Or I'm just depressed Or I'm just angry I'm just, no There are forces out there That attempt and will succeed if you let them In bringing you down, 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 down And the Lord says you don't have to But you better take the armor of God, Christian and the armor of God is not your street smart wisdom. It's not what you've gained by being a Christian for 50 years. The armor of God is what it's always been. It's the power of God through his word that I trust in. That's what the armor of God is. It's very simple. Let's look, let's look at it. He says, wherefore take unto you. God does not force you to take it. He doesn't shove the armor of God down your throat and say, "Here, here's a sword and here's a helmet and I put this on." No, you and I have to take it unto ourselves. He says, "Take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day." And having done all to stand. If you don't put on the armor, you will not be able to stand. He said, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. If you're like Pilate, you say, well, what is truth? I don't think there is such a thing as absolute truth. Which is, I would assume, an absolute truth for you. Think about these things. Truth. He said, if you don't even have any truth in your life or a love for the truth, then you are open game for, the, for, for Satan he's coming after you. You've got no armor. The the, the armor starts with having your loins girt about with truth. I believe there is truth. And I believe Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Where's the truth? It's in the word of God. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Christian, if you're doing what you know is wrong, then you're not doing righteousness. If you're doing what's wrong, you open your heart up to the devil. Well, I mean, show me where it's wrong. I don't really think it's wrong. Have you asked God, instead of just your friends, whether it's right or wrong? You see, we get in trouble spiritually because we don't have the armor of God on, because we don't take the armor, and part of that armor is, I have a responsibility to do what is right before my God, not to earn my way to heaven No, Christian, this is me reflecting the righteousness of Christ, which he has given me as a free gift. Now, I have righteousness. I reflect the righteousness of Christ. I do right because of what he did for me. It's part of the armor. If you want to fight and argue about, well, I can do it, no one can say I can't, and blah, 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 what you're doing is you're opening your heart to the attacks of the devil. The armor of God says, no! No! it pushes it away. Look what he says in verse number 15. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Of peace. You want to you have some strength to stand in the Lord? Tell somebody the gospel. What that does is it, it makes a difference between you and the world, it, it, between God's family and the devil's family. You struggle? Just start telling the gospel to somebody. If your feet is ready, your feet are shod, prepared to give the gospel, you're going to find in your heart the ability to stand. I'm not just the average person floating down the river. I do have something that's different than this world offers. I have clarity. I have truth. I have the gospel. That's what Paul says. He said, take the art, You take it. Take it. Hey, listen, if you find yourself uh, reading blog posts and listening to podcasts and searching for people who understand your particular problem, listen, maybe you do have a real problem and you need to get some help. But you know, sometimes as humans, we like to have problems that other people don't have so we can feel special. And we don't ever intend for it to be fixed. We just stroke ourselves saying, you're different, you're different. No one understands, no one gets it. How about this? Take unto you the whole armor of God for something already. You change your mind. Well, you know, the Bible has some good verses, but psychology has taught us a lot of things. Get 10 psychologists in a room and get them to agree on one thing. Yeah. Amen. What have they taught us? I'll tell you what they taught us. The same thing as voice teachers. Every psychologist has their own opinion about what your problem is. <laughs> you know what? God has one opinion. He said, stand fast in one spirit with one mind. He wrote it down for you. Humble yourself to it. Humble yourself. You're not big, bad, strong Christian. You and I need the armor of God. He says here in verse number 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He didn't say, you know, I got an idea. Might work, might not. Give it a shot. He said, the shield of faith can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All of them. Well, what is fiery darts? Those are those thoughts that the devil throws in your mind. The Bible says, be not afraid of sudden fear. You'll be walking along, everything's great, drinking your caramel macchiato, and all of a sudden, oh no. That's the devil. That's the devil. And by the way, it, it may have been the devil 10 years ago, and the devil's walked away saying, my work here is done. She'll keep from being afraid of that for the rest of her life. He walks away. He doesn't have to worry about you anymore because you're not going to take the shield of faith. You're not going to humble yourself to God And say God I need you By the way he said him that cometh to God Must believe that he is And that he is a rewarder of them That diligently seek him God wants you to have victory in your Christian life He wants you to And you can But you have to take the armor to yourself You're not just going to get some serendipitous feeling Because the sun shone through the blinds Just right when you were drinking your coffee Oh now I can serve God Hey, guess what? You may have that, and get, I sometimes wonder if the devil doesn't give that to you, so you think that's Christianity. It, it's, it's, and I make fun of chicken soup for the soul all the time, forgive me. But you, you know what you need? You don't, you don't need someone to just be nice and kind. You need some armor to fight. You have enemies. And guess what? If I'm your worst enemy, you're really deceived. If I'm the one that ticks you off, preachers, Christians who are trying to serve God are the ones that tick you off. That ought to tell you something. Listen, I know that it's not always fun to hear you got a problem, but wouldn't you rather hear you got a problem so you can fix it instead of someone saying, you're doing great. You're doing great. Keep it up. You're running the wrong way. From Brother Charlie Barkowski. He told me just this past week he ran 100 miles, just 100 miles, in 26 hours. And he said he had to run two extra miles because he lost his way. Like, don't talk to somebody else about your mileage and all your stuff. He's a crazy guy. But isn't it interesting? If I'm going to run 100 miles, I definitely don't want to run 102 miles. Some of you are not making progress because you're going the wrong way. Stop. Turn around and do what God wants you to do. He says in verse number 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Are you saved? If you're saved, why don't you spend some time thinking about that day when you got saved? Thinking about what it means to be saved. And then take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god you can fight those thoughts the devil puts in your head how do you fight with the book with the bible you fight back that's what jesus did the devil came after him and what did jesus say it is written three times in a row he quoted the bible back so let me ask you this christian do you even know what the devil's attacking you with and if you do what are your bible verses to fight back against him do you know Because I can just tell you this. Ain't no Christians the devil decides, you know what? They're so powerful, I'm going to leave them alone. I'm not even going to try to attack them anymore. No, it's fact, the ones that try to serve God, the devil comes after them harder. The ones that get involved in discipleship, God's going to start allowing the devil to mess with your mind. He's going to open up your heart to attack. And you've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in the Word. And then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Are you praying? You've texted how many people about your problem? How many hours have you spent? Have you talked to God about your problem? Do you have a written request that if God decided, you know, we think of him as a genie, if he decided to answer our request, what specific request would he answer? Well, if you're like me, sometimes I pray, Lord, you know, it's just like a lot of times, I just don't know. I mean, if you're praying that, as every prayer, Lord, you know I don't know. Sometimes I don't even understand. And I'm just God. I don't even understand anything. I know nothing. Lord, why and who are you and where are we? And I, I don't know. Uh, amen. <laughs> the Lord's like, Man, I, I'll, uh, I'd love to help you with this, but it looks like you're doing fine. <laughs> Let your requests be made known unto God. Say something succinct to your God speak to him. And then while you're at it, he said, watching there and too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Mm. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? You see, part of the armor of God is not just for me. It's to help other people who may need something from God. So I'm going to be focusing not just on me, but on what God could do through me. You see, if you don't put on the armor of God, you won't be able to stand. So we talked about what it means to stand Where where to stand And lastly this morning Why you should stand And I want you to take your Bibles Back to Philippians chapter 4 Philippians chapter 4 He said Therefore my brethren brethren Dearly beloved and longed for My joy and crown So stand fast in the Lord What's the first word of chapter 4 verse 1 And when you see therefore You should ask what What is therefore This is how you study the Bible He says, therefore, because of what's gone before, so stand fast in the Lord. Because of what I just said, I want you to stand. Let's look at what he said. Look at chapter 1, verse 20. Here's the first reason. If you need reasons to stand, I'm going to give you seven of them right now. Hang with me. According to my, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can stand because whether I live or die, Christ can be glorified in my body. in this body right here, whether I live or die, Christ can be magnified in this body. Number two, look at chapter two, verse five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It says in verse eight, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The death of the cross. You see, it's enough for him to come down and can submit to the concept of dying. God's a true God does not die. He humbled himself and became a human capable of dying. But even beyond that, the death of the cross, a criminal's conviction. Okay, so he humbled himself to do that. I can stand because Jesus showed me the way. Jesus showed me the way to live this life and even die and not turn his back on the will of his father. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the most difficult time of his human existence, he said, not my will, but thine be done. You know what? He, his flesh said, I don't, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to drink this cup of death and of sin. I don't want to have to do this. I'm dying for someone else's sins and not just dying. It's the worst possible death. People are loving the pain that they're giving me. They're enjoying inflicting pain. That's what it means to be crucified. I don't want to do that. But Jesus said, I will. So you, Christian, and I can stand because Jesus showed us the way. How? Not my will, but thine be done. And notice it says, wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Number three, chapter two, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here's the next reason I can stand. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I can stand because God is working in me. He promised he would, and he is right now. Whether I feel like it, whether my world is turned upside down, God said he started to work, and he's working on me right now. Christian, are you hearing me today? Listen, you can stand because God is in you. He's working right now. Well, I don't know if I'll ever be able to keep it. Let me just throw a quick thought at you. Where you have arrived in your Christian life is not because of your great spirituality. It's because of the grace and mercy of God. He brought you here in spite of what you did. You served him, you gave what you could to try to serve and follow him, but you failed multiple times and yet his mercy restored you. And it's that same God that worked in you to bring you to this point that's gonna get you to the next point. It is God. Number four, look at chapter two, verse 15. He said that they ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse Toledo, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. I can stand because there are people in darkness who need the light that I have. It's not all about you, Christian. There are people out there that need you to stand. Well, I just don't believe in Jesus the same way I used to. I'm happy to tell you, if you deny him, he cannot deny you. He, he is not going to say, well, I'll just take back your salvation. He is working in you even though you might be a rebel. God is going to use you in this area to shine the light of the gospel to people who are in darkness. Well, they don't want it. Well, how long did it take you to want it? God's been merciful to us, hasn't he? You can stand because there are people in this town right now who need the gospel that you have, and nobody else has access to them, but you do. Number five, I can stand in verse number 20, th- chapter 3, verse 20. We looked at this last week. Our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Wow. Number five, I can stand because I'm headed to my real home soon. I'm not going to be here forever. This training, this trial, does not last forever. It may seem like it, but it doesn't. Isn't it amazing how you, as, you and I as humans, we can say, I'll never get out of this. This is horrible. And at the same time, I can say, I'll be dead soon. <laughs> Isn't that wild? We're, we're full of, of oxymorons as, as Christians. You can stand because you, this is not your home. Your conversation is in heaven. God's already got your real passport, and it doesn't say country of origin, the United States of America. It says country of origin, the, heavenly of, the heaven of heavenlies. The Lord has you in your rightful place. You're seated with Christ in heaven. You can make it, Christian. You can stand. This world is not your home. You're headed up there. Look at chapter 4, verse 1, number 6. I can stand... Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, I can stand because it'll bring joy and rewards to the ones that I'm following. Who gave you the gospel? Who helped you know the Lord? Paul wept over the people who were enemies of the cross, but here his soul is filled with joy when he thinks about the ones who are standing. You could bring joy. To some Christian that's helped you along the way. What is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. You know, that's not just spiritual talk. There's somebody that is really filled with joy when they watch you stand for God. What that means is there are people who are going to be very sorrowful and hurt if you don't stand. And the devil will come along and say, nobody cares about me, nobody even knows my name, nobody watches me. That is a lie from the devil because there are people who, when they watch you follow God, their hearts are joyful. They say, thank you, Lord. You're working not just in my life, you're working in her life. Thank you, Lord. They're watching and the devil will tell you no, but we know better. Paul said, Philippians, your standing in Christ brings me great joy and when I get to heaven... Rewards. Number seven, do you see there in chapter four, verse one? He said, Wherefore, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. And then he repeats it, Dearly beloved. I can stand because I am loved. You are loved. You're loved by God. You're loved by me. You're loved by Christians that maybe you don't even know. Don't let the devil steal the fact that you are loved. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We're accepted in the beloved, accepted in Jesus Christ. You think Christ is loved by the Father? He is. He did always those things that please him. If you're in Christ, you're accepted in the beloved. Who loves you? Nobody loves me. Don't listen to the devil. You see, if you know that you're loved, the Bible says perfect love casteth out what? Fear. You can stand against your enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil, carnal Christians, even governmental authorities. You can stand Powered, bookended by the love that's coming from God through his people don't let the devil tell you you have to blow away listen you're a tree planted by the rivers of water don't be a tumbleweed that just dries up and blows down the road stand fast in the Lord let's bow our heads this morning